Welcome to Takeover Tuesday on The Brian Buffini Show. We've got a very special show for you today. We're going through the archives and highlighting some of our favorite moments. We've had some fantastic guests on the show, from one of the original founders of Instagram to a world-renowned neurosurgeon. There's a pattern to success, and our Takeover Tuesday host, Dermot Buffini, is here to be your guide. Let's take a listen. Thank you, David. You know, a year ago, Brian asked me to do a monthly show where I would interview people who've been there and done that. People who've achieved superior performance in different areas of their life. Now, throughout the year, I've had a great experience hosting the show. And from the feedback we've received, you've enjoyed hearing from our guests as well. I've always wanted to know what makes the person just as much as what makes the success. Now, it was hard to pick just a few of the shows from so many great episodes, but we've landed on three I think you'll really enjoy. This content will help you with your business, your money, and your mind. So let's get started. First off, episode 39 was called Billion Dollar Insights, and I sat down with a billionaire to find out how he became successful. Dave Linegar started Remax with a lot of passion, energy, and drive. And today, it's one of the largest real estate companies in the world. I asked Dave about adversity, his routines, and a lot more. Let's take a listen. So it's hard enough to run a business. I mean, for most of our clients who are coaching and training, it's like keeping them focused on the goal. This is number one, right? Clarity of goal and, and how they're going to get there. But how do you overcome the negative vibes, the hissing snakes? How did you overcome those things? It goes straight back to thinking grow rich. Mm. And uh, mm. I have read the book 50-some times. I actually started teaching courses to my mm. agents and my broker owners. And it was quite simple was we had set our goal that mm-hmm. we would be the most successful real estate network in the world. Then we wrote it down and we said, what's our step-by-step plan? Because obviously we couldn't go from one agent to 100,000 agents in a week. Mm-hmm. We just kept adjusting it. We looked at our goal every single day. We knew we had to make X many recruiting calls and then eventually X many franchise sales calls. And we had this step-by-step plan. My mastermind group were my partners who were my best friends, my branch managers, my mm-hmm. agents, that uh, they were all doing extremely well under the system. They mm-hmm. loved it. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact I was struggling financially, their positive reaffirmation that this works and it will eventually work for me when I have enough people mm-hmm. and I can pay off my debt, that's the way we built the company. What gives you energy? What gives you this enthusiasm? I think you build on small successes and then you have big successes, and then obviously uh, success breeds success. Mm-hmm. When I started the company, my mentor, Dave Stone, mm-hmm. told me that, well, you're getting all the trophies, and you get all the attention because you're the top salesman. And when you become the manager, it's no longer you getting the trophies. You have to hand them out. And he said, you will have to live in the reflected glory of the achievements of the people that you're leading. Mm. He got it wrong. It's fun to be at the top of the mountain. (laughs) It's fun to be the owner or manager of the largest real estate company in your community, in your city, in your state, in the country, in the world. It's fun to be an expert and be on CNBC or CBS or CNN or whatever it might be. And it's fun to share the knowledge at major conventions Mm -hmm. of sales organizations throughout the world. Mm -hmm. You've been a student of success. What I've heard in this so far is that you've paid attention along the way, learning from others, 
but then applying and also mentors. You know, and I think that a lot of times, you know, you've got a great saying, which is you can be a business for yourself, but not by yourself. How important have mentors been or how important is it? You've mentioned mastermind groups, mentors. How important is that to a business person or just anyone in general? Incredibly important. Mm. You know, things really fascinating is coaching. Mm. And so if you go back 44, 45 years ago, people were on a 50-50 split. Mm. The broker would hire beginners. 80% 80% of them would fail because they weren't motivated internally enough to succeed. Mm-hmm. But the broker was the original coach and mentor. Mm-hmm. And then when we started Remax and the commission splits went so high, mm-hmm. brokers decided, well, I can't afford to spend that kind of time with these people. I train them and they leave and go someplace else or start their own business. And the commission split's too low. Mm-hmm. I'll just do my own business and we'll see how it works. And that opened the door mm-hmm. to where coaches came in the business Thank you. that were starting to do the same thing brokers did 40 years ago, right. which was, you know, call twice a week, set some goals, discuss where you're going with your future. And so it proves that agents wanted more than a 50-50 split, mm-hmm. but they still want the coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if the broker doesn't provide it, they will pay for it mm-hmm. and gladly pay for it because they know their income goes up. Mm-hmm. I've been coached my entire business life. Mm. I started out with some mentors. A lot of people don't know it. I did a 30-city speaking tour with Zig Ziglar over 20 years ago. And I had the opportunity, because of conventions, of hiring the most talented speakers, platform people in the world. Mm. And I learned from it. Also, when we were so broke and we paid to get our CRBs and get our CRSs and so on, we paid with our own money, and money was tight. Mm-hmm. If we go to an all-day seminar and take 10 pages of notes, we didn't come back and put the notes up on the desk <laughs> and say, oh, that was a nice seminar. We'd sit down and say, okay, we spent the money and the time. Yeah. What are the two, three, four key takeaways from this, mm-hmm. and how do we apply it to our business? Fantastic. The other thing is I continue to learn. Yeah. And a lot of times people will be fascinated that they'll see me in the front row at seminars and so on, taking my notes and, you know, thinking about it. Great stuff. I love that episode. You know, Dave has such great insights on business and life and achieving goals. And here's some of what I heard him say, and I've got a couple of thoughts to share with you after that. Number one is you have to have a vision. You have to have a plan. You have to have a clear goal of what you want and then build a step-by-step plan to achieve it. And also, don't be afraid to adjust the plan in order to achieve the vision. That you can build on small successes. You can find small ways to build on small successes that in turn will lead to big success. And then ultimately, being a learner for life. Dave is always reading books. He reads multiple books a week. And I think the voraciousness of that learning is resulted in not only a great business, but a great life and a great legacy. The last thing is this. You have to have a support system. He mentioned a mastermind group, meeting with your peers, having mentors. And obviously, that's just a tremendous asset for any of us to have. Because not only does our performance increase, but apparently so does our income. So I have a few questions for you. Number one is, do you have a support system? Who's in your corner? Who do you have in your corner? Do you have a coach? Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody who can speak into your life, speak into your business, and someone you can trust has your best interest at heart and wants to see you win. Number two, what one small thing can you do right now 
that could lead you to more success. And the last thing is this. Maybe you want to go back to and listen to episode 39 and listen to the whole episode. It's rich with lots of great nuggets that are practical. And maybe you even want to buy a copy of Think and Grow Rich. It's a great read. Episode 46 was called Acting Your Wage. And I spoke with a good friend of mine, Dave Ramsey. The Dave Ramsey Show has over 12 million listeners a week, and it's one of the top syndicated radio shows in the country. Dave has built a fantastic organization with over 600 employees and is considered America's finest coach. But it wasn't always that way. And I asked Dave about the money struggles he faced, what he learned, and how he helps others find financial peace today. Everybody acts like they're cool and they got it together, but almost nobody does. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we struggle with money? Because it's a reflection of us growing up. I mean, the problem with my money, I always say, is the guy in my mirror. Mm-hmm. If I can get that guy to behave, he can be rich and skinny. And he's got <laughs> issues, you know, and he just got problems. But the more he can control him, the more yeah. I can control that variable. It's really the only variable I can ultimately control, mm-hmm. actually. God's going to do what God's going to do. Sharon's going to do what she's going to do. The marketplace right. is going to do what the right. marketplace is going to do. I can't control mm-hmm. All I can control is how I enter those conversations and how I react when a variable is thrown at me. Mm-hmm. That's the only ultimate thing I can control. Mm-hmm. And so it is about growing up. You know, I was a classic. I was buying stuff to impress other people. Mm-hmm. And I've gone so far the other way, it's ridiculous now. I don't, <laughs> just don't care what other people think. It's horrible. I should actually care a little bit. But I mean, I love that. like somebody gets mad, I'm like, well, get in line. You know, it's just whatever. You know, there's a lot of people on here. We're coaching people all over the world, and it's a universal issue. So I'll just ask you real quick. What are the top three things that you would say to somebody about money? It all falls under one thing, and then we can break out and go a whole bunch of different ways. But the big one thing is people don't pay attention. They're not intentional. They don't think about the subject and say, how am I going to retire? Should I have insurance? Should I have a will? Is this debt working for me? Am I borrowing too much? Am I buying a bunch of stuff that I don't need with money I don't have to impress people I don't really like? You know, they're not doing it on purpose. Instead, they just walk into a store and go, I want that. They walk into a steakhouse and say, let's eat that. And they bow over and buy a house that they can't afford. I even talk to people that move. You know, they move from Boston to California. They didn't think about it. How do you do that? How do you make that move and don't even think about it? They're not intentional. So if you start being intentional, holistically intentional, if you can be holistically intentional, what that gives you is you're looking at the whole picture and saying, how does this one decision fit into my whole picture? Do I have a big game plan? In other words, if you start asking yourself, okay, what's the best way to have peace in our finances, low stress, and become wealthy? Hmm. If you ask yourself that then all of your decisions should line up with that answer. For us, we're really sure the answer to that equation is get out of debt because your most powerful wealth-building tool is your income. And when you commit it all to other people in the form of payments, you're just a rat in a wheel. You just run, 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 pay other people all the time. All you do, you just work to pay other people. And you just run, 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 run. And you don't get any traction. Instead, if I had all of the money I'd given to banks... Just in a fruit jar, I would have more money, a lot more money. And so once you decide that, then you go, well, then buying this couch, this car, this vacation on debt does not align itself with my holistic intentionality. And so I don't mind having a nice car going on vacation, but we're going to pay cash for it Mm -hmm. because we have a bigger goal of financial peace, which includes being wealthy and generous 
and the shortest track to get there is staying out of debt. So being out of debt, it would be one of the subcategories of the three. Yep. The other one would be on a plan, a mm-hmm. budget, giving every dollar a name on paper, on purpose, before the month begins, every dollar has an assignment. Another one would be the generosity piece, always be giving. Mm. Uh, there's a high correlation between people that are generous and people that win with money. And it's not that I'll be generous when I get money. No, you'll get money when you're generous because generosity changes who you are. Generous people are more attractive. Selfish people are ugly. Mm-hmm. And they smell bad when you're trying to make a sale, when you're selfish mm-hmm. and you're making a sale. But when you're a generous person you're trying to make a sale, you're caring about the other person. Mm-hmm. It, it bleeds from the money through the character. Mm. It's and great. It's, I didn't think of that. So it's not just, it's not just generosity of dollars. No. It's it generosity changes who you are. You, know, you think if you say George is a generous man, it means he's the guy who opens the door for you. It means he's selfless. He's not selfish. Yeah, they're very attractive people, and attractive people have a tendency to be attracted into deals and yeah. get business, and people like being around them, and they give them opportunities. And selfish people, you're like, oh, here he comes again. I got to take a shower after I have this meeting. You know, Ugh. and you don't want to be with that guy, or that guy, yeah. and you know. And so there's a high correlation between generosity and financial success. Well, we had a lot of fun talking about money. The other funny thing was that you might not know is that we recorded that episode in Las Vegas for a convention and we were sitting in the casino talking about being financially wise. Not a place known for that. So here's what I took from what Dave shared. Number one, be intentional about your money. Are you being intentional about it? Do you have a plan? Get on a plan. What does that mean? It means create a budget. There's lots of tools out there to help you do that. And one of the sayings I love is, Make sure every month that you tell your money where to go before you wonder where it went. And then the last piece is being generous. Being generous with your finances. And then also, if you're not in a position to give of your finances, then be generous with your spirit. And that there's a real correlation between those people who do very well financially. They're also very generous in their spirit and in serving others. Okay, so we looked at having a healthy business, having a healthy pocketbook. But one thing that's rarely talked about or dealt with is our emotions. Now, at the end of the day, we're all full of emotions and there's a battle to be fought there each and every day. And I spent some time on this very topic with Mike Foster, who's a good friend of mine for many years. Mike is an author, a speaker, and he has led more than 200,000 people through workshops in the pursuit of emotional health and fitness. Let's listen in to episode 75, Your Second Chance, as Mike talks about the importance of self-care. Before we get into kind of what you do for your clients and your workshops... How did you deal with your stuff? And who encouraged you? Who was your Mike Foster? To be completely honest, I am still dealing with my stuff. Mm. I think that life is a process Mm -hmm. of healing, a process of transformation. My trauma and that stuff doesn't control my life. I'm not operating in sort of a dysfunctional or escapism sort of way in response to that pain. But I do believe that Maybe you've lost a child or had a miscarriage or you've been betrayed by a friend. Those things heal, okay? But in our society, we talk about closure a lot. We love this idea of just Mm -hmm. getting closure. I actually don't believe in closure. I actually believe in openings, that these are openings to new levels of understanding, of compassion and empathy, and we are constantly doing the work Mm -hmm. within us. Mm -hmm. I often think, you know, ah, look, come on. You know, it's easy to kind of go, I don't want to be perceived as a snowflake or I'm a tough guy or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm John Wayne. You just, you just kind of saddle up and move on. What are the benefits to someone just kind of, what are the tangible benefits of somebody just like, hey, sit down, reflect on your experience 
and bring it out into the open because I think it takes a lot of courage to do that stuff. It absolutely does take a lot of courage and it's not an easy thing to do. And we are taught by society that our pain doesn't matter or the past doesn't matter. It's like suck it up, bootstrap life, power through. These are wonderful, inspirational things that we hear all the time, but they're not actually very helpful because what happens is unresolved pain or pain that has not been dealt with in our lives sneaks out in all kinds of different ways, in toxic ways that actually limit our ability to be connected to our spouse, uh, be connected to our kids, to thrive in our business. Like when we have certain triggers that get pushed maybe during the day uh, when we're trying to help a customer or maybe we're disrespected and all of a sudden we have this highly amped up emotional response to that. We're like, oh, I don't know what that is. I'm just going to keep powering through, right? So it requires some self-awareness and some really saying, I'm going to be strategic about my life. I'm going to be just as I would be fit with my body, I'm going to be fit with my emotions. And so this is, to me, one of the areas of our lives that gets often overlooked, but is so key to being a successful leader. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it does. I mean, you can't lead others if you're not kind of at least getting some leadership yourself. So many conversations, you know, that are happening about, well, if somebody else could just get healthy, we end up having conversations about someone else. And if they were only a certain way, it's kind of shifting the responsibility to them, which could be appropriate, but ultimately they don't control the reactions that I have to them. And so how do you start the process with somebody? What's an exercise? You know, you came in this morning, you handed me a journal. Mm -hmm. It's obviously totally blank on the inside and it's kind of, what did it say on the front of it? It says... They're called narcissistic journals. Capturing our thoughts is actually a really important part Mm -hmm. of being aware of some of the things that are going on. Because what pain in our past does is it creates this fog mm-hmm. and sort of this this mystery. And it's, it's hard for us to actually deal with some of these deeper things because they're kind of scrambled mm-hmm. all over the place. And so journaling and, and studies show that when we actually write things down, our clarity increases, our ability to activate around what we have mm. written down increases. And so, you know, I do a lot of workbooks, a lot of creative things with my work because I actually believe when we can take sort of that stuff that's stirring around inside of our heart and our head and actually get it onto a piece of paper, that's a great starting point. The other thing, uh, step one is to slow down. See, one of the big things that we do as leaders is we rush and power through life at sort of this incredible speed. And that's a great coping mechanism for us not having to deal with some of the sadness or hurt busyness. within our busyness. Yeah. And so I can't help anybody if they're just running and rushing through life. They literally have to slow down and begin to sit with their heart, sit with their soul, yep. which is not obviously something that we would necessarily choose to do. You know, I've also heard people say to me, for me to take care of myself feels so selfish. And I think they're typically the people who really do a great job of taking care of everybody else. And then secretly they feel like, well, nobody's doing that for me. And they feel like unappreciated, like they're coming up short. And so how do you convince somebody to kind of make themselves a priority. There is this belief that we have, uh, and we've learned it through our friends and relationships and even society, that when we do begin to take care of ourselves, that that is seen as a selfish act. And what I teach in my workshops and and through my tools is like, self-care is not selfish, self-care is strategic. Mm. And I don't know any great leader, I don't know anybody who's just like hitting it out of the ballpark 
who isn't doing some type of self care mm-hmm. on a daily, weekly, you know, quarterly, annual basis. Like literally, they have a strategy. They're self managing, right? And part of self management is self care. And when we start doing these practices and saying, "Listen, I am going to make my heart, my soul, my emotions a priority," mm-hmm. just like I would, you know, going to the gym and make my body a priority, what I eat and put in my mouth a priority, you know, my business a priority, whatever those priorities, making yourself a priority is not selfish. It's one of the most strategic things that we can do because it creates a couple things. It creates number one is it creates sustainability. Mm-hmm. I want to do what I'm doing for a very long time. And the only way that I'm going to achieve that is to make sure that I'm taking care of myself, making sure that I have fuel in the fuel tank. The reality is the life that you're leading, those who are listening to this, is it's like a Sahara desert. Mm. You're walking into the desert. It is hot. It's hard. It's difficult. Life is not fair sometimes life is just it's it's like a boxing match and if you are not putting fuel or water you know like if you're going to the sahara desert and you don't have water in your canteen Mm -hmm. you are going to die you are going to hit the brick wall at 100 miles per hour and you're going to be done and i know leaders who have completely blown out their adrenal glands because they operate on adrenaline for too long Mm. i know leaders who because they didn't take care of their heart are no longer in leadership because of a very poor choice that they made Mm. because they weren't self-managing. And so to me, it's like, do you love what you're doing? If you do, take care of yourself so you can do it for a long time. Mm. Wow. Powerful, powerful episode. You know, Mike said, life is a process of healing and transformation. And I got so much out of this interview and I really enjoyed listening to it again for our review today. Here's some of the takeaways and thoughts that I had based on what Mike had said. You know, that self-management is important. And part of self-management is self-care. And that self-care, it's not selfish. It's strategic and allows for sustainability. That your heart and soul should be taken care of like your body at the gym. And that life can be hard, but you need to take care of yourself. And here's some of the practical tips that I heard him say. Number one is just slow down. Get your thoughts on paper. Find safe places to work it out. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe you need to go see a counselor. But just working through your own emotions, your own pain from the past, whatever it might be. And at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that emotional health and fitness is absolutely crucial. My own take on the Takeover Tuesdays that I've done and all the episodes and all the interviews that I've done is that there are no secrets to success. But there are common themes and patterns. And the truth is, it's about having a plan, sticking to it, and being a learner for life. I hope you enjoyed today's show as we delve back into some of my favorite shows from the past. And if you need any help with your goals or a plan or accountability for your business, you know, Buffini Company is always here to help. It's what we've been doing for 22 years. So feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to be part of your support system. So as I finish here today, I'll leave you with a little Irish blessing that our grandfather always said. May the roads rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.